0: Hello and welcome to stick around a suicide discussion. If you or someone you love struggle with mental illness, this is the place to be. I'm Kel Bjorn and I'm passionate about helping others discover ways to find value in their lives. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got plenty of people who want you to stick around. So let's open up and see if we can make a difference. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Kel, as usual, here ready for another episode of Stick Around, a Suicide Discussion. Today I'm speaking with Lark Dean Galley, and Lark has recently felt called to help and serve those who struggle with their value and purpose in life. Um, Having overcome immense personal challenges in her 55 plus years of life, she has continued to grow in her empathy and compassion towards others. Um, She worked in the corporate world for about 25 years. And after her father unexpectedly died by suicide after struggling with mental illness for most of his life, uh, Lark was realizing that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that need to hear her experience and hear those messages. So she started her own consulting business. How long ago was that? So that was... I went into consulting about nine
1: years ago, but it was more in my logistics industry. And then I took over my dad's trucking company. And then uh, shortly after that, so probably about five years ago, five, six years ago, I started doing business consulting. And then when my son passed away, the focus shifted, right? right?
0: Yeah. Well, then, so Lark mentioned as well that her son did die of suicide back in March of 2019, just last year. Um, And that definitely reinforced what she'd been hearing from a lot of her high achieving clients that they felt unworthy and incapable of reaching their goals. So she went on to start coaching, um, kind of focusing on why each person matters individually. So the ultimate goal, it sounds like, is to to help 100,000 people to choose to stay on this planet, which is obviously a lofty goal but that's got to give you some purpose in life i'm sure
1: it does you know and i actually had this this visualization of it that that was the goal is to be in the LSU stadium, my husband's from Louisiana, so you oh, know it's wow. all about LSU. Yeah. And they, the stadium holds over one, one hundred thousand people. I know more Does stats it, about really? LSU. Yes, one hundred and four thousand.
0: It's a college stadium.
1: <laughs> yes, it's actually bigger <laughs> than the Superdome.
0: Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> so
1: they love their their football down there, yeah. and uh, I visualize myself standing on a stage and having one hundred thousand people walk across the stage, and thank me for giving them the strength to go on. And that's what propels me in my message.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, I'm sure, I don't even know how to ask the question, but I wouldn't imagine you've got like a, a tally sheet of like how many I, people, you, you know, but but I'm sure that over time, like as you've done these things that you're starting to already have some feedback from people that is like, hey, that really has impacted my life.
1: I, I do, yes, from stories from, from youth, from parents, um, from young adults. It's, it's really beautiful. And that gives me the fuel to go on and say, I am making a difference Yeah, because that's, that's the reason I do this is to make a difference.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll dive into some of those details of the things you're doing here in a bit, but first I wanted to kind of jump into your dad's life a little bit, just to start. Um, you mentioned that he was struggling for most of his life with his mental health and, um, were there obvious signs back then to your family of what was going on with him?
1: Now there are obvious signs oh. and he was not diagnosed with bipolar until he was in his early fifties. Oh, so wow. this would have been over 20 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and he has passed away from suicide January, 2014. So it's been a while. Yeah. Um, so looking back, I can see the signs and what was very interesting. I, I just finished my book. It's going to launch November 10th. And my friend who knew me from high school who was kind of guiding me on this book writing process since she's written a book before she said now you're going to write about your childhood right and i said no why would i do that huh. and she said because i know you and i know your childhood and your childhood was ma- uh, very messed up really yes and and you know when you go through something that's your normal yeah but I started to write and I have a whole chapter on my childhood and looking back I realized that while my dad made it very much an adventure it was also like really unstable wow we, we moved all the time just because I went to a different school every year of my life uh, no way. there were time yep there were times when uh, my mom would go and give uh, give plasma so we could have $10 to eat for the week. You know, that was, there would be some money to eat. Oh my and God. my dad was just doing, he, he just wanted to have all these adventures. And so there wasn't a lot of stability. Um, my friend even reminded me of the time when she was over and she saw me hoarding food so that I could have food for the next day. And I'm like,
0: wow. I didn't, I
1: didn't even remember that. So if you don't remember things, they were normal, right? Yeah. Cause you only remember what's not normal.
0: That is so crazy. I would to think about <laughs> my, I guess my own childhood. And like, if I look at the friends that I had and going over to their house, I mean, obviously you kind of soak that in. I mean, you could tell here's how that family was, or here's how the situation was, but to them it's totally normal. Like you said, that's really interesting.
1: Exactly. So
0: when you first started, I would imagine your, your game plan was just kind of, Hey, here's what I've learned through, this loss of my father and and now my son and trying to help other people cope but it's really interesting it takes a third party to say now you need to go back farther than that yeah you need to dig to yeah
1: <laughs> and the, the other thing that it brought to mind and you know as you um, you write these things down and you peel back the layers of this onion this messy onion that caused a lot of tears as I'm writing this book I realized that I parented, in a way that allowed me to have some kind of stability in my life, because literally this is one of the stories I put in the book. Like it is crazy. I'm in junior high school. It is a Friday. My father comes home. He gathers the seven kids around. He pulls out a map and he says, here we are living in, um, not Memphis is Nashville, Tennessee. Hmm. Tomorrow you're packing your stuff. And we're getting a U-Haul and here's the map and we're going to Virginia. And this is where we're going to live.
0: Oh my gosh
1: like that was normal for us it's just like and we're off but the way he made it sound was like a huge adventure so I thought we were having all these adventures you know yeah. all our life <laughs> but it was crazy yeah
0: it'd be so hard to keep friends because you'd be like I don't know if I'm going to be here that long like we can hang out but I mean you know what are.
1: <laughs> and 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 I'm very outgoing but it's almost like a superficial friendship because like you said, you never know when you're going to be picked up and moved. And so yeah. you think of, of people that have had uh, known people all their lives. My husband was practically lived in the same house his entire life. He has friends from when he was five. They're still yeah. friends. Wow. I'm, I'm lucky. I have a friend that's from high school that can remember me.
0: You yeah. Know? Wow. That is crazy. So what, how did you, you, you mentioned that you kind of used, some of that in your own parenting to maybe oh, yes. <laughs> take that on the flip side and be different. Like so, no, how, well, yes. Or so kind of the very same.
1: well, very stable. Um, I committed to my husband of living in the same house until the kids graduated from high school. So we're in the yeah. same house, which has been hard for me, I will admit. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's so many adventures, you know, so many places to go. So that's been a little bit difficult, but it's it's created a lot of sta- stability for the kids. The other thing is that. I really crave order and everything has a place and there's a place for everything. Mm. And so when my kids, specifically my son, who spread his stuff from one end of the house to the other, <laughs> who who was into, you know, science projects and taking apart anything. If you gave it to him, he was taking it apart into every little piece. He had yeah. bins of where he'd take parts from, you know, machines and anything you'd give him and so he, it was everywhere and it it caused me to shake a little bit and yeah. and looking back I realized that because of the instability of my my growing up years I was trying to balance that with stability and and also at the same time prevent those voices and those demons from from getting a hold of me you know yeah. like you we were talking earlier you mentioned that um that in your family's case a lot of the the mental illness had been passed down and it was in my great grandmother in my grandmother in my yeah. father in his siblings in my cousins in my in my siblings and how you know there can be different extremes to it but how i dealt with kind of any depression or or just so it wouldn't get a hold of me order and very structured in everything that i did and always yeah. Had a project because if I ever let my mind rest, that's when the the voices started, right? You know, like the demons. Yeah. So, and I didn't even realize that that's how I managed my life until I was writing it in this book.
0: Yeah. That's so, write your story. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. Well, so uh, you you mentioned that your dad didn't really start to cope with some of this stuff until later. So, what kind of help did he pursue? And, And was there any improvements there for a while?
1: So he was on medication on and off for about 20 years. And, and, you know, sometimes they've got it right. The, and sometimes not, and he still struggled. It was that manic, you know, where he would be on top of the world. He would go out and buy a new vehicle and not really be able to pay the monthly payments or, you know, the insurance for it. And, And he had stuff like he collected different High value items. He lived in my basement apartment, so he didn't have any real estate, but he had trucks and he had all of these different things, things he didn't use or he didn't need, but he would get in these manic states where he'd go and buy stuff. You know, I actually found a vehicle that when he passed away, I found out that he had this brand new vehicle that he bought, that he left it on the dealer's lot. And the dealer didn't even know that it was a huge lot.
0: Are you serious?
1: Like, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Well, so what kind of, I guess if we if we kind of move towards your son a little bit, were there some similarities with, with your son as so far was, as bipolar goes, or was it more kind of depressive type things?
1: You know what? We never knew really that he was depressed. And that was something that I watched for in my kids to kind of see if if this family illness had come through. And while my son was um, diagnosed with ADHD, you know, and he was always kind of hyperactive and very busy and, yeah. and active. He, he was super smart, just very active mind. I never saw what I would have called a, a depressive mood. For example, I have a, one of my brother's. I noticed this as he went into his high school years, he kind of got moody and, and he later experienced those tendencies towards the bipolar. Um, I was looking for that in my kids and I never noticed it, but this is what I did notice. um, And I kind of made fun of it because we, we tend to do this. My boy was the most sensitive child. Really? most sensitive and you know in our culture that doesn't always go over well and so i would kind of make fun like oh, son why are you so sensitive you know you need to buck up look at your sisters over here they're they're not crying you know and yeah he, he was so tender-hearted
0: is he the and- only boy
1: He's, yeah. Well, well, that's another story. <laughs> so, so there are two boys and two girls, but I didn't know about, we didn't know about the second boy, the older boy until just about two and a half years ago. It was one of our elf stories. And I talk about it in the chapter into my book about,
0: Okay. Uh,
1: you know, it's coming up on three years now. My husband got a call from Louisiana, where he's from. We live in Utah now. Yeah, And uh, basically it was, I think you're my daddy. No way. (laughs) 27 year old, you know, calling up and uh, he was married. He had three daughters and a boy on the way. And, and that was kind of shocking, you know, like, oh, here we go. But it was a little bit different because here Christian, my son had grown up thinking he was the only boy. He's very alpha male.
0: Yeah. And
1: suddenly not only is he not the only boy, but he's also not the oldest boy.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And so he kind of had to do some mental things with that. But in in retrospect, I feel it was such a huge blessing for our family because they were in our lives for just over a year before Christian died. Christian got to meet them. We were in Louisiana. They came up to Utah to see us. I have a picture of him holding his nephew just cuddling him and he loved being an uncle and for him to meet his brother and and create those relationships and then when christian passed away to have that family to help us you know to have little kids these little grandkids who think you walk on water i mean they think papa walks on water right my husband and that family was one of um the contributing factors to helping us make it through and so you look at this thinking, oh, well, this is a, a, a strange and different situation. And yet it's been a beautiful healing situation for our family.
0: Wow. That's fascinating.
1: That I know that's a whole be- different can of worms.
0: Know. <laughs> How do I bring that back in? <laughs> but, uh,
1: but I would just say, you know, Christian didn't really, uh, in my opinion, manifest a lot of depression. When he was 15, almost 16, um, he and my husband were having the the, the parent talk, like, you know, school starting, you need to buckle down, you need to do this, you need to do that. Yeah. And my husband's um, military vet, and he noticed that my son kind of was disengaging, which is a sign of, of um, suicide ideation, you know, kind of checking out yeah. And because of my husband's training, he had the presence of mind to ask my son, are you feeling suicidal? And my son said, yes, you know, that's not a normal conversation, you know, but, but my husband asked, and I believe that because he asked, we got an additional three and a half years with my son.
0: Well, so that's key right there. I mean, I keep hearing that conversation that we don't want to ask that question because it's like, you're going to put ideas in their head but now no, they're proving <laughs> that it's like, it's already in their head and we need to find yep. out and then take the steps necessary.
1: Exactly. And that's so important. And, uh, so he came in the house, my husband came in the house and said, Christian's feeling suicidal. Go talk to him. I'm going to get on the military hotline for suicide and see if I can get him with a therapist tomorrow because wow. this is a Sunday night. Took him to a therapist the next day. They had a chat. I came in the room and the therapist said, so do you want to tell your mom or should I? And uh, he said, no, I'll tell her. And this was the great reveal, you know, boy's almost 16. And he's like, mom, I don't believe in God. I believe in science. And he's looking at me like I'm going to explode. And I look at him like, this is your big reveal, you know? (laughs) And and I'm like, well, son, you know, I believe God is science, but you know, you've got to run with what you believe. And I, I look at the situation and I think, how did I create an environment where he felt, so unsure of telling me that without a therapist there and creating such a situation and the other thing I thought was you know as parents we need to be willing to hear stories from our kids where they walk in and say mom I'm gay or mom I got my girlfriend pregnant right and and how are we going to react in those situations when they have this this reveal that's not maybe the way we would want things to be. And I've just come to the conclusion since my son has passed away that as parents, we're here to guide and love our kids. That's it. That's it. You know, we're not their saviors. We're not their dictators. Our, our life is separate from theirs and we're just here to love them.
0: Hmm. That's really awesome to hear. I mean, I'm right in the middle of four kids. Oldest one is nine youngest one is three. So it's like,
1: Chaos. There's already
0: that, why are you not doing what I told you to do? Oh, yes. And, and, it's, and it's so frustrating, hard. frustrating, right? To get away from that. Like, I'm the dad. Yep. You know, why am I having to tell you 500 times to put that away or whatever it is? So. And
1: you know what? It's not, it's not avoiding consequences, right? right. Um, if they crash the car, then obviously they need their driver's license taken away or they need to get off the insurance and they need certain ramifications, based on the severity. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. That, cause because in life you face consequences. But it's to be able to create an open dialogue with your children so that if your nine-year-old comes to you, which could happen, says dad, I'm not feeling very good. I I I sometimes want to kill myself. You know, how are you going to react? How are you going to have a conversation with them so they feel safe yeah. telling you what's really going on?
0: Yeah. I would think right off the bat, like the number one thing is to not brush that off. Right. Right. Because I think naturally it's like, oh, you know, give me a hug. Let's watch a movie, you know, yeah. get over it type of thing. Let's do something fun. But that's not getting to the the root of the problem.
1: Right. Because for kids, especially, you know, some things that we might not think are especially uh, traumatizing, they could believe that their whole life is over. Yeah. They don't have the perspective that we have.
0: That is so true.
1: And the other thing, you know, with social media and the way the world works now, we cannot parent like our parents parented us. It right. doesn't work, you know, for so long. That's the way, well, I turned out okay, you know, and I didn't do this. <laughs> that yeah. That's not going to work anymore. Yeah. We are, our children are living in a different environment from where we grew up.
0: Absolutely. It's cra- I mean, the contrast is I mean, I never, I didn't I wouldn't have thought it would have been this different. Like right. I feel like the contrast of my parents' generation to mine is like night and day, right? Mm-hmm. It's so different. Huge. Yes. And then slowly but surely, like I kind of gauge it by conversations with teenagers, you know, whether it's at church or whatever. But just like for a while there I felt like I'm not too far off from all this. <laughs>
1: And now you're like and now it's like,
0: <laughs> no, this is so different from when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And well, my kids are not even to that part yet. It's just going to exactly. be so much yeah.
1: Well, the thing, you know, think about this. When you were in high school, think of something stupid that happened. Like it's mortifying, right? Yeah. Maybe five, 10 people knew about it, right? Yeah. Okay. Social media. Oh my god. You do something stupid and a thousand people, 5,000 people know about it.
0: At least everyone in the school.
1: Exactly. You yeah. know, how do you carry on how do you like put your head in there and say i'm going back to get ridiculed so it's it's something that we as parents need to be aware they are in a completely different world and then i was talking to a teenager last week and she's you know 17 a senior very pretty cheerleader you know all of this stuff and she's telling me that social media plays a huge role in their lives but it's 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 also can be on a on the sad side for people that are not in the popular crowd. So yeah. let's say that she doesn't feel well and her friends on her cheer team they drop things off at her house and she posts about how thankful I am and I have a great friend circle. Yeah. What if you don't have a great friend circle? And you're seeing that on social media and then it just compounds the fact that you're feeling isolated. Yeah. And and that's why we just need to be so careful um When my father passed away by suicide, I did not talk about it. I could not physically talk about it. Most of my friends, good friends, didn't know how he actually died. When my son passed away by suicide, I wanted to go there. I wanted to like ignore it, not talk about it. But I realized that the situation was not about me as a parent. Did I fail? It wasn't about my son. What problems was he having? It was about saving lives. And if we don't talk about suicide and we don't talk about the problems around it and remove the stigma, then people feel isolated even more. Because if you can talk about mental wellness and if I can talk about it and if I can make it a safe conversation and a safe place for you to share your feelings with me, and I can say, I've felt that way before too, I've struggled then suddenly the other person is not feeling so isolated and they're not feeling like, well, I must be the only one. Because that's what it was like five years ago.
0: Absolutely. Well, so how was the support system for you? I guess when compared to when your father passed away and then when your son passed away, did you, did you notice
1: Well, I didn't say that people were very kind, you know, that, you know, they knew my father passed away. Um, I had a strange relationship with my father because he just was not emotionally available ever. hmm. So there was, there was not a real strong emotional bond. And yet when he passed away, I was really surprised at how, how deeply it affected me. I went into five months of depression that I didn't even realize I would, I I don't remember functioning for five months. It was just gone right?
0: Autopilot. Just yes. Kinda, yeah. Yes.
1: Just like checked out. With my son, I started to go there and I realized I can't, I can't go there. Um, and because we were very vocal about the suicide, people were so supportive. And there was none of this, well, your kid's going to hell because he killed himself. You know, there wasn't, there was yeah. none of that. They were just so concerned. And so many parents I could tell that they they were concerned for me, for my son, but they were also concerned for their own children because, you know, it's the saying there, but for the grace of God, go I, right. They, they didn't know if their kid was going to make it. Wow.
0: I mean, it just, I don't know. I, I like to look at it. Maybe like, isn't the right word. I look at it as just the perception of when you hear that someone has died by suicide and, and you're right. It has changed. A little bit where, you know, before I think of back when I'm in high school or, or back, if I heard of someone dying by suicide, then it's like, oh man, what was wrong with them? Or maybe they're going to hell, you know, like you said, or, <laughs> yes. or maybe, you know, it's all, and even still, like I, I noticed on Facebook or somewhere, like someone had died by some cause. It wasn't by suicide. And I almost wished that my friend that I mentioned to you before that died last year by suicide, I almost wished that he could have died in some other way. Because there's that stigma. It's still there. And I'm even still having that thought. Like, it's not as, I don't even know what the word is, but it's not as acceptable, I guess, right. almost.
1: Well, it's its so many layers to that. Um, the first thing about it is that when somebody dies by suicide, they are not in their right mind. And we yeah. need to understand that because we have an innate desire to keep living, to keep breathing, right? And mm-hmm. if someone has overcome that innate desire in us to continue to exist they something is broken in their mind and so instead of looking at them and condemning them we need to say we need to have compassion for their situation the others the other thing that goes along with suicide like you were saying about your friend is like i wish he had died another way right yeah because the layers with suicide and the people that are left behind you're, you're left wondering, why didn't I see what was going on? Why wasn't I enough that that person could stay? Why didn't he tell me? Why didn't I know? Why, why, why?
0: Yeah.
1: And it hurts, uh, you know, on a much deeper level than than if the person was in an accident or if, you know, they passed away from old age or what. however, it, it dying still hurts, you know, the people left behind, yeah. but that they don't have all those additional, why wasn't I enough?
0: That's interesting. I have never heard it put that way before. Cause you're right. It's like if someone died by something else or I'm not the one that had some act that made it happen. Yes. Right. But when someone dies by suicide, especially like in your case with someone that's like your son or that close, I mean, mine was a friend. I felt the effect of that, but not as much as his family, of course. Right. And that almost guilt that they must go through of yes. feeling and responsible. Like I'm the one that did this. Like you said, I'm not enough for them to want to be here. Right. And, and that's that'll drive you down. Word.
1: Yes. And, that, and I have to catch my thoughts, especially in the big beginning. I have to catch my thoughts and not even go there. And then you mentioned a really important word. You mentioned the word guilt. Yeah. And we use guilt in the wrong way. And if you look up the definition for guilt, it means um, with the intent to harm. Oh, so wow. If I feel guilty about my son's death, that technically means I have the intent to harm him Whoa. And, and I didn't. Right. right. And most yeah, people, so not. most people are using that word in the wrong way. We can say, I regret. I wish things could have been different. I wish yeah. this or I wish that. Right. But not to feel guilty. Interesting. Let's take that away from this, you know, the conversation about someone dying.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was how all this has kind of changed your own approach to life. But I feel like we've kind of hit on a lot of those already. I mean, you're trying to, you have a goal of reaching out to a hundred thousand people, um, you know, doing all these things with consulting. And now you've got a book that you're you're launching here. Did you say November 10th?
1: November 10th. So it is, it is almost finished, you know, yeah, it'll be On, a couple weeks. <laughs> Yep. Um, people can find uh, the link to get more information on my website. They can sign up for alerts and, and get notices as to when it's officially, you know, Hey, you can get it. I've had several pre-readers, uh, look at it to write some reviews cool. and they have been very, very kind. They, they love the book. They feel that it touches them on so many levels. And my intent for the book was to help two groups of people. The first group is parents who are struggling in their relationships with their children. Yeah. Because my relationship with my son was not rosy, was it was a difficult relationship.
0: Hmm.
1: I argued with that boy every day of his life. Wow. He was brilliant and he was going to tell me how mom was wrong and he was right, you know. So it was very frustrating for for me.
0: I can relate. Um, I've got a couple oh, of those for yes. sure.
1: Yes, and you're like, for Pete's sake, just yes. do it, right? And so it wasn't a, a, an extremely like, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It was a difficult relationship. And so I I post several things of now because of what has happened. I look back, how wish I, how would I wish if things had been different? How do I parent now? What do I say? What do I do? Um, that So that's one group of people. The other group of people is the people that are hurting and maybe they've lost someone and specifically to suicide. They've lost a child or they are not feeling hope. They do not know how to even breathe, how to even get up in the morning, because the grief that it can just come in waves. You know, I, I do a lot of these podcasts And most of the time I'm, I can be pretty upbeat and say, let's look at this dark topic and let's, let's take it out. Let's examine it. And then let's like, okay, how can we move on? Um, But just last week I was doing a podcast and boom, I just started crying out of nowhere. So it can, it affects me in different ways. And every day I'm just like, well, we'll see who shows up and, and that's who it's going to be and just allow whatever it is. You just have to allow the feelings for the day
0: that's a great point. I mean, I, I don't know. It's almost like you wonder how long am I going to grieve? Right. Forever, but yeah. <laughs> there isn't, there's no way to put an end on that. Cause like you said, I mean, 10 years from now, you're going to have a day that just slams you. Right. You know what? You...
1: Yeah. I was, I was at a women's retreat and uh, the woman next to me, she was in her fifties and she had lost a baby to SIDS. The baby was four months old. Wow. Okay only four months old, right? My son was 19. So the right. baby's only four months old. It's been 50 years or excuse me, 30 years since she, she passed away. This other lady at the retreat said to her, do you think about your, how often do you think about your daughter? And I'm sitting there and I already know the answer.
0: Yeah.
1: And And, and the lady said exactly what I was thinking. And she goes, I think about her every day. Wow. So it's not like, Hey, let me bring up your son. Cause she's obviously forgotten that she had a son. Oh, I, yeah, no, um, I actually enjoy talking about him because I feel that brings him closer to me and helps me share his story and his struggles and yeah. um, the, the things that we wish could have been different.
0: Yeah. That's an amazing story. Cause I mean, I'm thinking like with your son being older, you have memories, right? You have things, remember that one time. And it's almost kind of nice to maybe even joke about some of those times to kind of lighten the mood every Mm -hmm. once in a while. But if you lose a four month old, I mean, you have memories of holding that person, obviously, but it's just that feeling, that loss, that's just, you're never quite gonna. Right. I don't know that you would want to, you know, it's not like she doesn't want to forget.
1: Exactly. You know, and when you lose a child, you're losing the future you had envisioned for that child. Right? All these milestones. Right. And and that's that's kind of hard too, right?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be very difficult. Well, so the the name of the book itself, and you kind of mentioned this: waking up with without having being able to breathe sometimes, right. learning right. to breathe again, choosing to heal after losing a loved one to suicide. Well, that's an interesting wording right there: choosing to heal. Yes. I mean, you mentioned with your son, you can almost feel yourself going back into that dark place and kind of making that decision that it's got to be different this time.
1: Exactly. And that's my whole point is like, if you want to heal, you have to choose it. And I have to choose it every day because I notice when I start those negative thoughts and I think, what if he hadn't died? And I start to spiral, that's immediately, that's what will start the spiral. And I have to catch myself and I'm like, well, I don't live on, on, on an alternate universe. I can't change reality. And, and now I'm pretty good with it in the beginning. You know, that first year I would say, but if I could, but if I could change and, I'm like, yeah. and I would have to catch myself, but I can't. Yeah. And so what do I want to do now to change things going forward?
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a great mindset. And it's like you said, it's gotta be an everyday commitment. hmm well, so when did you decide, hey, I want to write a book about all this?
1: <laughs> you know, I think I've wanted to be an author my whole life, but it Billy. was not, not this topic. You know? Yeah. And um, so what happened is with within a very short time, within less than a week of my son's passing, I went from not going to talk about this, not going to post about this, not going to ever admit that he died by suicide to getting on Facebook and telling the entire world how he died and what I wish had done differently and essentially just feeling called to this suicide prevention platform, which honestly, hell, if you had told me 19 months ago, hey, Lark, you know, you're going to be on my podcast and we're going to talk about suicide prevention and you're going to share all your deep, dark secrets about, you know, your problem childhood. And I would have said, oh, no, not me because we don't talk about that. Yeah. And I have found healing not only for my son's death, but for my father's death. When I finally started talking about it, I, I finally found the healing and I found a mission uh, that was bigger than me and that's helping other people. And so as I was going forward in this, like, I call it like this mission, um, yeah. I, I just told God, I'm like, I am not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I am just a concerned parent. And I have no idea how to get this message out or even what to do. So just lead me every step. I will do whatever you want me to do, but you got to show me the way. Yeah. And it's just been different things. Like uh, one inspiration I had was to be on other people's podcasts. And I'm like, okay, I've been, I've done close to 30 podcasts now in a year. And I have uh, a bunch more lined up in the in the next couple months. And, uh, and then the next step was, and you need to write a book. And I'm like, Oh whoa whoa! <laughs> you know we need Wait to write a, a book. <laughs> Hold
0: on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you need to let everybody know all these things and how they can they can change and help their lives. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're writing a book. And yeah. that took. I thought I could do it in two weeks. And let me just tell you, for those oh who haven't written a book, <laughs> that's <laughs> deeply emotional. Uh, yeah. It took me over a year because it was deeply emotional. And I would write, you know a couple pages and I would think I'm done for the day and I would get a few chapters and then I would say, I need to put it away and come yeah. back in a month or two. Wow. And, and so it was, it was deeply emotional. And then my editor got a hold of it and said, Oh, you need to dialogue a lot more. We need more details here. And I had yeah. been specifically avoiding some of the details because, you know, it was painful. Yeah. And for two days, I got to put in all those details and two days it was just straight crying. Wow. So it's it is a lot of heart and soul on those pages. It's yeah. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm saying it was rough. I wish I had done some things differently and this is what I'm doing to move forward.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Lark. I mean, it's just so amazing and impressive and all that, but it's I'd say the majority of the people I've talked to on this topic have been moms of a child who had died by suicide and the amount of passion that is there is like, and you said, I wanted to write a book forever, but it was never on this topic, but it took something like this for you to say, this is what I'm passionate about. And this is what I'm going to do. Same thing with this podcast. I wanted to do a beatboxing podcast for like (laughs) a decade and I never did it because it was like, Oh, that would be so fun because it's something I'm interested in, but there was never enough passion for me to take the time to actually put it together until my friend died. And then it was like, there's a steamroller, right? Oh, yeah. And now I've got this, this passion is something I want to talk about and it can keep me going. And I get I guess see the same thing with you and, and countless other people where I'm sure there's plenty of people across the world that have lost a son, a daughter, a family member that don't have the ability to, to share the story like you do.
1: Exactly. I think we're all given different missions. For example, I have a friend up the street whose daughter died by unintentional overdose two months after my son. Wow. And her mission is not to go out and spread the news, you know, about it. Her mission now is helping to raise these three children that her daughter left behind. Wow. Would I want to change missions with her? No. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I got four grandkids, we're good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, but she she spends, she's almost like a surrogate parent. Yeah. And we all have different missions. And so to say, oh, you know, I'm not out there spreading the word, so I'm not doing it. No, we have different missions. And I really feel that I've been blessed with the capacity to talk about a very hard topic. Yeah. A very dark topic, and say, I care enough to let you know that maybe you're like me and maybe you thought suicide was out there. Yeah. And it's not out there. It's right here inside your home. And you probably don't even know that your children are thinking about it. It's the number one killer of youth in Utah. It's the number two killer of, of youth and young adults in the United States. Wow. And so I just tell people if you haven't been personally affected by suicide, you will be. Statistics, you know, statistically speaking, you will be. Yeah. And I would rather have had some kind of conversation with my child while while I could have made a difference. Yeah. Versus after the fact. I it doesn't matter that it's hard. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, so what is uh what is some advice that you can give us our listeners? maybe from the book or maybe that's just something that popped in your head just now. Like one little, if you could, you know, someone gets the cliff notes version of your book, like (laughs) what's the one thing you would love to just share with everybody?
1: You know, the the answer really, the Beatles got it right. The the answer really is love. It really is love because um, now that my son has passed away, my, my husband and I, we just talk about, and we say, our stuff doesn't matter. Stuff does not matter. cars, the house the trips or whatever you think is so important it's just the love and the relationships you have for e- with each other that's what
0: it comes down to honestly wow so profound and it's it it's,
1: sounds easy but it, I'm i know. Ser- i'm serious that that's all that it's about
0: it's sad that it takes you know <laughs> tragedy in our lives and multiple times throughout our lives, right? Most of us are going to experience loss in, in one way or another. And you have those moments where you realize that it's just carrying it on and sharing that, that, that really makes an impact. So that's, that's great advice. So do you have, you know, before we wrap things up here at the end and I just, man, I really appreciate your time. I mean, it, the crazy thing is everyone listening to this Lark is like the only person that reached out to me and said, <laughs> I want to be on your podcast, which is so cool. I put a lot of work into finding people that I think have a great message. And right off the bat, it's obvious that what Lark is doing is fantastic. I'll put a link to your your new book and where they can find that. Sure. I guess it's not on Amazon quite yet. So maybe I'll...
1: Yeah, it's there, but it's not published yet, but it will be soon. Um, Or you can go to my website, which is larkdeangalley.com. And maybe you just post that.
0: Um, Yeah, I'll put that on. They can sign up
1: there. They can see more. The other thing that over this last 19 months, as I've been so passionate talking about suicide prevention, um, people, especially moms, would come to me and say, "What can I do? What else? You know, where can I go, or what resources?" And so I recently put a resource page on my website.
0: Oh, perfect. To
1: help people, and um, there is uh, Dr. Paul Jenkins, who is um, a clinical. Psychologist, he and I are pairing up to do um, some different courses on suicide prevention and grief. He already has some great courses on there for, um, for parents to help with the way they parent. And I liked what he had to say because it falls right in line with how I feel about parenting now. Not yeah. how I felt 19 months ago, but yeah. you know how I feel about now. And fortunately for him, he didn't have to go through the loss of a child to be able to, to develop these courses. Right. Um, and he's got a great monthly program. You could check them out um, and just the link through my website. It, a lot of resources that help you as a parent or maybe help you as an adult, if you're dealing with suicide ideation, what can you do? How can you get help, etc. And sometimes it's just, reaching out in an uncomfortable situation i mean it's hard well what do you say you know my kid's struggling or i think he might have problems as a parent that's our responsibility is to guide our children and help them however we can not to say oh i'm embarrassed right yeah (laughs) that's not that's not going to help you and it's not going to help your child
0: yeah wow so bold so such great advice so that's, I mean, that's great. I'll, I'll go ahead and put a, a link to that as well. Some of those resources that you already have on that awesome. page. And feel free to go check that out, everybody. That's good stuff.
1: And I just want to mention that Richard Paul Evans, who he's a Utah icon, right? He's uh, got 41 best selling novels. He wrote the forward to my book. He was very, oh, very kind to do this. And he actually had a personal experience with um, attempted suicide when he was 12. His mother attempted suicide. She did not pass away, fortunately for him. Wow. but you know, it, it goes way back. And she was suffering from some mental illness. And this is something that touches us. And in, in years past, we didn't talk about it. Right. Yeah. And now he's like, okay, let's talk about it because it is so important.
0: That's awesome. Well, the amazing thing is, is once you start the conversation, people just come from all over the place, right?
1: They do. They really do. And people that you would not have suspected would be struggling with this. They are struggling.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, good tips, good information. I mean, hopefully we can chat again sometime. We'll sure we'll run into you again. I mean, the amount of people I've met in Utah, and just kind of this one little nook is, is pretty fascinating. But it's a great group of people that are out there trying to share their passion and really just prevent this amount of loss for you know, other parents and other people in the community. So we all kind of band together and, and hopefully make a difference. Exactly. All right. Well, it's great chatting with you, Lark. I hope you have a good one.
1: Thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, thank you again for listening in today. If you truly are struggling and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours every day and are anxious to help people in need. If you prefer to text, I would recommend the Crisis Text Line. They provide 24-7 support via text message. They're here for everything from anxiety, depression, and suicide. So even if you don't consider yourself suicidal, please text HOME to 741-741. That's H-O-M-E to 741 seven, four, one, and simply open up about how you're feeling until next time. Let's all stick around and help each other find hope and see value in life.